0: Welcome to RTV Chit Chat, Raising the Village's informal podcast. Raising the Village, or RTV, is a non-profit organization that partners with last mile communities in rural Uganda to end ultra-poverty in our generation. I'm your host, Sila Olijah, and I'm a part of RTV's small but mighty communications team. In this podcast we will explore various topics about the work we do, have interesting conversations with our stakeholders and share our experiences of working in partnership with last mile communities. In this episode, we bring you a conversation about the importance of storytelling with Mudassir Govule, RTV's communication officer in Kampala. We talk about Mudassir's experiences working as a communications person in the field and listen to a short interview he's conducted on the ground. Hi Thank you so much for joining me today. So can you tell me a little bit about what your typical week as a field communication officer at Raising the Village looks like for you?
1: Well, um, thank you very much for hosting me, uh, Sila. My, my week as an individual basically involves a lot of field work. The field work involves uh, identifying success stories, um, impact stories, and then sometimes I also do design. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do this with the support of the technical team. I mean, the implementation team, which which is spread out in the many districts that we operate in. And it's these people that help me identify uh, some of the stories.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, how often do you travel?
1: Well, I travel uh, at least two weeks in a month. And I make sure that I maximize that time to to identify as many stories as I can. Sometimes I attend workshops, w- trainings, um, mm-hmm. and then, like, I travel every month to the to a different uh, location.
0: Yeah, sounds like you have a busy schedule. You mentioned you spend a lot of time in the field interacting with our partner communities for all of these stories. And from what I've learned, Uganda's culture is amazingly diverse, right? So how do you make sure that the stories that you're telling are properly represented?
1: Uganda has very many cultures. Um, It's one of the most diverse communities in in the world uh, with uh, more than, I think, more than 50 uh, tribes speaking different languages. But at least we have uh, some of the what we consider official languages. And that is English, uh, Luganda, and then Swahili. At least if you go to, if you go to like, any community, at least you'll find someone who, who can speak at least English or Luganda or Swahili somewhere. Yeah, because Swahili is, an, is the East African language. It's spoken in Kenya, it's spoken in, uh, in Tanzania, it's spoken in Rwanda. So even Uganda, like many people know it a bit. Recently I was in Kisoro. They speak Rufumbira there. Rufumbira is almost like uh, Kenya Rwanda because they border Rwanda. So the language they speak is so uh, close to French and I have I have no mm. knowledge of French. So uh, it's very hard like for someone who, who has never like stayed there to know the language. Mm-hmm. So in such scenarios where I'm like completely cut off, I can't hear a word or two, um, I normally resolve to working with the, with the project officers to like help me um, understand what the, what the beneficiaries are saying. Um, sometimes you, you meet government officials and for them they are okay with English, but our last mile community people, uh, you'll find that most of them speak the local language. You always have to work with uh, our community-based staff.
0: Uh, are there any local languages that you speak?
1: Yes, um, I speak quite many um, Mm -hmm. local languages. Yeah, I speak the most spoken language there which is Runyankole in in Western Uganda. I mix them, I don't even know sometimes whether my my workmates from the field there normally correct me. No, you're speaking Ritoral to Runyankole. You're speaking Mm -hmm. this to this. So something, they teach me a few words here and there but at least I know some of the languages.
0: That is definitely a good quality to have when you are interacting with so many diverse communities, right? It really enhances your ability to make long-lasting connections. I guess it helps people open up to you in their local language instead of having a translator there, you know?
1: Yeah. I, I think uh, sometimes when I have to ask uh, John, who is one of our field officers there, to like, tell me how they greet. like The simplest thing of greeting... Once you you mention any word in their local language, they are like they feel like you're part of them on an instant. Yeah, mm-hmm. they like respond and then start saying other things, and then you're like nodding. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, it's it's really uh, fun. These different languages, it's just the languages, but the rest of the cultures are really more like the same. You'll find that people are really humble. They are very welcoming and. Uh, I don't think there's any community where I've, I've visited and they've been hostile and they didn't want us to to come. All across the areas where we operate, people are generally kind and very welcoming when we are doing our work. And I think that's one thing that is really helping a raising the village to operate and succeed in these areas. But most of the okay. communities where we operate, uh, people are really kind. And it's a culture that is spread across
0: Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Exactly, I think a really, really big part of our work as the communications team at RTV and as communication people uh, in general is to engage with these communities and to produce these stories. And I guess another question at this point to ask would be, why do you think producing these stories are important is there, what kind of a value is there in, you know, creating these stories in collaboration with the communities that we interact with?
1: Yeah, um, thank you very much. I think that's a very good question. Why, why I think uh, telling these stories is really important. There is a saying where they say, when it's not written or captured in a camera, it's never happened, yeah? So um, stories are a really important element in any program or project. I think another thing telling these stories uh, helps helps us really uh, get to understand the people that we are working with. One of the reasons why we tell these stories is it tells a lot of people the bigger picture of our work. Because if you tell someone what we do is wash, uh, agriculture, community development, it's it's very hard for them to understand it without like telling a story. Sometimes, like there are many people who would easily understand if like you put a face to a particular program, and then that one face like becomes representative of the whole program or that particular project. Like it's easier for for many audiences to digest uh, this information when it's told in a good story format.
0: Mm -hmm. And I'd like to highlight that as a communications team and as storytellers, I think what we're really trying to do is to provide a platform for these stories to be heard and to be elevated because what we're doing is really at the end of the day uh, is highlighting the stories and the hard work and the resilience of the people that we meet on the ground. Okay, so Muldasser, I know that you're based in Kampala and our implementation teams, as you sort of mentioned before, they're stationed within their own districts of operation. So you travel to all of these different districts of operations and now I want to hear a bit more about some of your personal experiences uh, traveling to these last mile communities. Are there any interesting stories or like anecdotes that you'd like to share with us about these travels?
1: Okay, so um, I I really enjoy doing my work. uh, First of all, it's fun to like interact with a lot of people um, telling different stories much as uh, our goal is one to end ultra poverty very many people have different stories, so uh, listening to them alone, it can get you emotional sometimes, but um, some stories are really interesting. Right from home, when I'm preparing to go to the field, like when I'm assembling my my camera, my lens, uh, my notebook, unpacking my bag, I do it with, with the utmost fun. You should see me. Like, I have all my bags packed two days before I'm going to travel, just <laughs> to make sure that I don't uh, anything. So um, there's this one time when I was out in the field, we had a flat tire in one of the hard to reach areas. Some of the roads that we go in are really bad. So Mm -hmm. um, you you cannot, the drivers in most cases will tell you, I don't think I can ever come here if I don't have a spare tire. And Mm. it's really for the right reasons. So there's this one particular time where we had a flat tire and I have never changed the tire. And there are also moments where the, the car is not there and we use let's say a motorbike a, a motorcycle mm-hmm. um, in, in such cases uh, we, we are provided with safety gadgets and a helmet and gloves mm-hmm. there are instances where you, the community you're going to is really really deep and far in this and most of the the, the roads that we work in you, you won't find any village that we work in that has a road most of them are dusty roads so here uh, we are on a bike, and you're on a dusty road. Yeah, you never notice how much dust you like ride through until you park. So you you put off your helmet, and then only to realize that uh, your whole body is like covered in dust. Your pants, your bag, mm-hmm. you have to like dust them. And sometimes you can see uh, the community people giggle a little, and they're like,
0: eh. <laughs> yeah,
1: because it really looks funny.
0: Well, yeah, well, that's a nice little connection to have with the people that you sort of mm-hmm. see on and off. It, it's a little inside joke you have to laugh about mm-hmm. whenever you were you there and they're greeting you, right? Um,
1: yeah. So there's also this one particular time where we reached a road that had flooded. We, we had a bike uh, which we had to park mm-hmm. and we used the boat to like cross the road and we had to we had to stop there these canoe people generous people who 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 brought their canoes to like help people cross um, mm-hmm. i think i shared with you some pictures with,
2: with mm-hmm. that
1: mm-hmm. The, the road was completely cut off there's no mm-hmm. you you would pass there with a bike it would totally uh go off really i found it adventurous
0: but yeah it shows what we really mean by last mile, right? It sort of accentuates how hard it is to navigate through these terrains and how really far away some of these communities are from, um, you know, the most basic services.
1: Some of the last mile communities that, um, like you mentioned, have almost uh, next to uh, zero uh, services. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think as as a storyteller, um, when you read like a certain story or when you're told a story, I think one of the most important things that um, I I find really interesting when I'm out in the field is those different stories that I, I collect. We might be doing like the same program in District A, District B, but the stories are all different. So that's a really a very, very important thing to, to note. They are inspiring in their own way. They are, they are hopeful in their own way. Like mm-hmm. So um, there's this one particular place where we went, in, where I was in Kisoro still. Um, and what, what happened, uh, we, we were driving in one of the last mile communities. Kisoro is one of the most uh, hilly places it's very beautiful i think uh, when 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 you go there when you ever go there for like field work you'll and you've never seen like a very hilly place like you literally go around hills to like go to a a, a particular point you can, you can literally see a point where you're going but to reach mm-hmm. there like you have to go around hills so um, yeah so we we were sort of driving around this crater lake and then I, I asked uh, the field officer about it. I thought it was a beautiful uh, scenery, but it had a sad story behind it. While, while I was there, I think um, among the recordings that I had, I, I, this chat recorded with John. I, I think I can sh- we can share it with the rest of the world.
0: So let's listen to it now.
1: Um, right now I'm in Kisoro um, and we just came across a lake and I presume it it looks like a crater lake. It's a tiny lake, with uh, small boats. Um, I see some people fishing. Um, John, can you tell us more about this lake and this village?
2: Um, thank you. Uh, here we are. We are in murora Sub County, and murora Sub County is vast with two lakes, uh, which call, which are the Kayumbu and Chahaf and they are like twinnies, so uh, there is a uh, fishing activity taking place and these lakes were, were formed as a result of volcaniste and we normally call them lava dam the lakes. So uh, and most often uh, they are very much productive in the past but these days the fish species are reducing so uh, actually the communities are worried because they can't have enough to fish.
1: So what you're saying that initially this lake was a source of income for the community, but right now there are fish species that are finishing the income generating fish types. That is the, the, the widely known tilapia and uh, the local fish. So um, what, what are they resulting to now, the people in this sub-county?
2: Yeah, because their the main activity was fishing around those these two lakes, and now that they are no longer productive as they used to be, many have resorted to to go to, to to look for income elsewhere, So uh, but government has been coming in to support them to for to have other alternative source of income. However, much they are saying it is not enough to sustain them because they look at. This is the most being productive thing. And they request the government, if they can put in the more fish, then the better, because that's the, where they used to have the arrival.
1: Okay, um, you mentioned the government uh coming in to intervene, and I understand uh, raising the village is working with the government uh, to make sure that the these villages are back and economically self-reliant. What are some of the things that you're uh, doing with the government right now
2: yeah thank you uh, uh, we are providing support to the government because they can't have enough resources so we are coming in to support by communities by giving them seeds uh, we provided them with pigs for, for, for households so that they can boost their income We are also doing uh, heresy outreach because uh, heresy is the first priority for every member to be productive. We are also providing them with safe water uh, where most of these villages that are near the lake, some of them they go for fetch in the lake and this water is not good for them. So, that's what we are trying to do with them together with the government. Okay, thank you very much, uh, John.
0: We want to thank John for doing this interview with you. Another way to show how important the relationship between communications officers and, and field officers are. They really help us understand better some of the issues, specific communities like this one that you traveled to um, is faced with. I want to slowly wrap up by talking a little bit more about this internal relationship between communications staff and and field officers? Because I know that a couple of weeks ago, during some of your field visits, you were conducting workshops on storytelling specifically designed for RTV staff. And what I want to ask you is, why do you think it's important for other teams who aren't necessarily a part of the communications department to know what storytelling is about or what it what
1: it is. Okay, uh, thank you. I think, um, like I had mentioned earlier, Rowan, um, you, you can, there's no way you can tell a story alone in such circumstances, especially that involve programs and uh, an implementing team. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's very, very important to, to be part of the process, from the word go up to the point of success, And that I cannot do as an individual communication person. The project officers who are in the field, the project assistants, the different uh, staff who are in communities each and every other day. To add, they are basically our eyes. They are basically like our ambassador down there Mm -hmm. in the field. Because without them, there's no story for us to tell.
0: I guess the key takeaway from... Or one of the key takeaways from our conversation today is that storytelling is a collaborative effort, uh, especially for Raising the Village. Communications is always a joint effort between the staff on the field and those of us who are doing the creative work behind the scenes. I want to really thank you for sharing your experiences and your anecdotes and uh, your interview today with me any sort of last things you want to add or you want to share yeah
1: thank you I think like I think you you've said it all teamwork I want to appreciate the the team both management implementing finance for the prompt support because there are a lot of people that are behind one success story we will continue doing this work to ensure that every person in the last mile communities um, has a better life Mm-hmm. because we're here to transform lives
0: and we're also here to have strong connections with the communities yeah. and build long lasting relationships thank yeah. you very much of course thank you and for For those who are listening, they're interested, you can go on our website to our news section to follow our stories, also follow us on social media, and you can subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Last Mile Adventures, on our website as well. Um, Those are just some of the platforms where you can read some of the stories that we've been sort of talking about throughout this broadcast. And thank you once again, Madasser. Thank you everyone who's listening and see you next time.